Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to keep us positive, to make sure we're not getting into our lazy negativity, we have decided to make this episode a drinking game. <laughs> so that means that anytime we say anything negative at all, anything negative, you're going to hear the sound. That sound means we have to take a drink, and we hope you drink along with us at home. So... Pour yourselves a glass, but get ready to drink it through your N95, because I don't know if you noticed, but New York turned into fifth level of hell this week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Okay, just to bring you one quick thing. Like, everyone got so fucking dramatic in New York. Like, this is a town that when someone leaves a pressure cooker bomb on the sideway, sidewalk goes, oh, well, I better, take, better, take, better go to another bar, because my bar was down that street. Got so fucking dramatic about Red Sky. Like, people were running in at my work, like, oh, my God, it's so smoky outside. Oh, my God, I'm so smoky. Not one person mentioned fucking Canada. It's like, um, yeah, I, oh, yeah. Yo, yo, heard... you okay, Canada? Are you okay up there? The three people <laughs> that listen to us in Canada, are you all right? <laughs> I heard some people mentioning Canada, but also the blame Canada thing. From the yeah, yeah. fucking bullshit. Anyway, we've done plenty of wildfire damage to this planet. Um, anyway, let's, that's neither here nor it there. Is, uh... It is weird that you guys are getting it though. I feel like it's usually, uh, usually you have the fucking thing. grin on your face, you piece <laughs> yeah. of shit. You lived here for ten years and now you're grinning, man. You're like Southern California is not on fire. Yeah, fuck you, <laughs> New York. Honestly, yeah. we have somehow avoided all right. not. Yeah, you're just, you're just gonna get the hurricanes instead now. Um, all right, enough, enough of this. Enough of this banter. The people came here because they want to take in part three of our summer movie blockbuster face off so, summer blockbuster movie it doesn't fucking matter guys yeah. summer blockbuster face off we take, the the, <laughs> we take the we take the highest grossing the highest grossing summer blockbuster from every year summer blockbuster matt matt summer blockbuster the highest oh. grossing summer black I, blockbuster I, of every year and then we're going to compete them against each other one-to-one -one, battle royale we got four this week only two can advance that is what we're doing right now and god we're crossing into the 90s i can't wait dave it's funny you should mention matt actually because uh yeah he's done it again Ugh. He's, he's called in, uh, and actually this one's a little bit late. This was, he called in, I missed it. He called in just before our uh, last episode uh, with uh, Ghostbusters. Um, and uh, this, I, I will warn you, this has been edited and sped up for time because the Man and Mark movie show, even their fucking messages are long. <laughs> <laughs> I will never get used to that open. Uh, this is Matt again from the Matt and Mark movie show. Now I know how Jeff feels uh, when he repeatedly calls into our show. I dig yep. it, man. It's a good feeling, you know, mm -hmm. bombing the voicemail. Mm -hmm. I did want to point out something for next week. I'm not going to belabor this too much because I've already called you guys like 19 goddamn times. Yep. Next week, you're talking Ghostbusters versus Back to the Future. And while I love a DeLorean as much as the next guy, don't kid yourselves. Ghostbusters is probably one of the best movies ever made. And I think should whip the shit out of Back to the Future. Team Ghostbusters all the way. Nobody steps on a church in my town. Let's show those prehistoric fish how we do things downtown. I really appreciate the E.T. discussion. Um, kind of can't believe how much Spielberg tortured those kids. I mean, I kind of can't believe it. You know. there's, there's an argument to be made. Fantastic actors that we are today. Just for that little bit of torture. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's awkward. Um. Look, he's not. I am <laughs> sure there is an entire swath of human beings who would be very upset that we did not vote. I was, I was one of them. Back to the future. Yeah. Dave is one of them. I know I had the I deciding know, vote I where I voted Blockbuster in. So that's right, people. So far to date, advancing. We have Jaws and Star Wars, which got a pass out of the 70s. We've got E.T. 
we've got Empire Strikes Back, we've got Back to the Future, and we have, of course, Top Gun! Notable abstentions. No, they're not, you can't say that, can you? Notable absences. I, I mean, you did. <laughs> <laughs> include Raiders of the Lost Ark and Ghostbusters, which did not advance, nor did Return of the Jedi. Things happen, people. What do you want this week? Is it more straightforward? Is it going to be a hotly contested debate? We have Who Framed Roger Rad Rabbit, the highest grossing summer movie of 1988 against Tim Burton's Batman from 1989. Only one can advance. And then at the end of this episode in our second segment, we are going to answer for once and all, once and for all, what is the better summer blockbuster, Terminator 2 or Ghosts? We are going to find out. I don't like the smile you've got in your face right now. It's, just, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, <laughs> it's very yeah. sarcastic. Is this a good time to mention that I rewatched all four of these movies this week? It's a great time to mention that. I watched all four as well. Yeah, I think I was going to ask you guys, Jeff, I knew you did because I, I kept picking up at the. Why is this movie on the end credits? Yeah, of course, it's because Jeff was... What the fuck? Just go to the end. I made it to the end of the movie. Start over again for John, all right? They're just I fucking know. with us because they know we're sharing an account. Huh. Uh, Not for long. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, they're coming at us. Also, just very quickly, we uh, the music on this episode and every single episode is provided by the artist Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. Yeah, yeah Spotify, we, Spotify he said it was okay. Yeah, that was yes, YouTube. Yes, yes, YouTube on. nailed us for a copyright strike, so apparently he's got an agent. <laughs> and uh, Thora. <laughs> We're copywriting good, our good, own good, fucking good, good. music sponsor. God damn it. <laughs> Well, let's fucking let's fucking get into it. Let me. Can I list off a few other famous or high-grossing movies of 1988, just so we can get a little context? 1988. Sure. Let's Jeff, go. you want to introduce the year differently, and then I'll talk about some other movies, or no? I you got. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Go ahead. All right. So this is kind of a weird year. I mean, first of all, like we're talking about Who Framed Roger Rabbit as again very comfortably in the lead with a over 20 million dollar uh, ticket sales advance over coming to america which was number two just want to point that out though for a second i think that mm. that's really interesting yeah. that the for summer oh, that's the entire year folks but for the summer blockbusters the two far and away biggest ones are not big crazy action movies yeah and that's usually what you're looking adventure or action so this is kind of a standout year for me number three which was not a summer movie uh, is Good Morning Vietnam. And I thought mm. that was really great. It was released in that's, that's, a really good, that's a really good movie. <laughs> now, that was released in 1987 for the Oscars in December, but it obviously it played into the year and it still held on to it. Number four was big, also a summer blockbuster movie. So Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Coming to America, and Big were the top three. And I just think <laughs> it's really great because that is what a strange year for them to like hang on very comfortably to that lead. Um, when you have movies like die hard is this mm -hmm. even correct i was trying to look this up the release date that i have on the numbers is july 15th yeah why did they not release that as a christmas movie so i have that it in is, my I have, apparently I have it's in, not a christmas movie bruce willis has said this i have it in my notes <gasps> july 15th the christmas movie die hard comes out which is after march when the halloween movie beetlejuice came out <laughs> 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 well, 
<laughs> well, Die Hard is definitely one of my fucking favorite, uh, favorite Christmas movies. So fuck oh, yeah. that. Oh yeah. Um, a fish called Wanda. Hello, love that. Yeah. Willow came out May twentieth. That's still uh, number thirteen. I think that's one of my favorite ones. Um, Scrooge, Bill Murray, on Disney Plus, Rambo hey. three, uh, Rain Man Ra- coming in Ra- at nineteenth. Rainbow Rain Man would go on to make more money in the next year. It ended up making four hundred million dollars worldwide, but a lot of those receipts were in nineteen eighty nine. Rambo three, by the way, circling back to that, was the most expensive film ever made. Also a summer movie, and it was not on our list. So go ahead and do the math. Rambo three ran its course. Did did you realize you (laughs) almost said Rambo Man? Rambo Man. I like to drive. Um, yeah, that's a very different movie. This is, this is actually this is actually a really yeah, good year, John. Were there any other, were there any other standouts? I got a bunch here um, that I could breeze. Through, I mean, yeah, this, list this is a good year. If there's for... any that you wanna. Um, well, a couple other notable things. E.T. was released on VHS and sold, or sorry, v- yeah, VCR, um, and sold $75 million worth of VCR copies, which is a fuck ton of tapes back in the day. Uh, Rain Man was the big winner at the Oscars, um, acting awards. Kevin Klein for Fish Called Wander. Jodie Foster. Foster, Jodie Foster wins for The Accused, Dustin Hoffman, and then of course, Gina Davis for The Accidental Tourist. Other noticeable films, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. Daniel Day-Lewis had the famous Mm. Unbearable Lightness. Is that this year? Yeah, no, no, no. This was where he was an actual leading man. Pretty big in Europe, not so big here. Spike Lee's School Days, John Waters' Hairspray. Crocodile Dundee 2 did not do particularly well this year. Sorry, Crocodile Mm. Dundee 1 was a much bigger hit. Bull Durham, Cocktail, The Blob, Last Temptation of Christ, Young Guns, Mystic Pizza, Child's Play, Twins, Mississippi Burning, I think, Talk, Radio, Beaches, and Ernest Saves Christmas. Also, one more I'll throw out there that, again, just think it's funny. It's not much higher on the list. This is way down the list at number 80. Jean-Claude Van Damme's Bloodsport, the first Bloodsport that you think maybe with a different marketing campaign this day and age, an action fighting movie like that, probably in the 2090s, maybe would have done better, but not even yeah. fucking close, folks. So it's just funny looking back on these numbers and realizing like, wow, this is what people were going for. And they chose a cartoon rabbit and Bob Hoskins in a noir <laughs> period piece as their go-to. Now, let's just let's just think about this in context, though. Kind of like when you do have certain Marvel-y kind of movies, like in the later time period, if you can get a summer blockbuster that is family friendly. Holy shit. That might be a gold mine. So, you know, I watched this movie a gajillion times when I was growing Mm -hmm. up, wore out tape after tape. I think we actually had a tape and then I fucked that one up so much that we had to just tape it off the (laughs) Disney channel at one point because you know I just wore it out. It was just one of those movies that I saw a gajillion times. When was the last time that you guys saw who framed Roger Rabbit? Decades. This is the first yeah. one. I was like, "Fuck, I gotta do my homework." <laughs> this is the yeah. first one I push play on. Dave. Yeah, I think I think it was about twenty years for me before this. Yeah. 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 I and I. I mean, not to step on the intro here, Jeff. You're gonna say anything about it, but I had so much fun watching this movie. I thought it was. It's, it's I don't nuts. know how you guys felt about it, but like. I think I had I think it had come into my mind again because of that ILM documentary mm-hmm. when they talk about it. So, you know, it was a little refresher there. Um, ILM will be talked about throughout this episode. They appeared uh, special effects wise in three of these movies. Um, and I just I don't know. I just I just kind of was shocked at, at how at how well it still played for me. Uh, I don't know. How about you guys? So are we are we into the segment now? Or have we moved on? <laughs> 
That's, yeah, let's get, we, yeah, we, let's we, get into it. I mean, let's well, get into well, it. The only other setup it. is just, just to remember, though, that the, the comic book came out in 1981 that really introduced Roger Rabbit. He wasn't necessarily canon before that, but it was a noir-style comic. And Steven Spielberg, who fucking owned the 80s, even like Back to the Future and Poltergeist and all these other fucking movies that he didn't even direct, he had his hands all over. Steven Spielberg and Bob Zemeckis team back up. Frank Marshall's in that, that team. So they come together and they say they want to do it. They want to do this with live action meets animation. And so how can you possibly say no to them? So they got the shit off the ground because they were like, we don't want to invest 30 or $40 million into this thing. And they fucking did because of Steve. How about that? I mean, first, first of all, like what, uh, pulling off a miracle, like the licensing of these characters is nuts. And you've got right. Disney yeah. and Warner Brothers characters side by side for the yeah. first time ever. And it, it pretty much never happened again. Yeah, it is remarkable. And, and I remember even as a child, that was kind of confusing to me. Yeah, but you know, now as yeah. an adult understanding mm. the gymnastics to get those properties, like I can't yeah. kind of can't believe if Steven Spielberg had not been involved, who knows if that would have ever, ever been possible. We would, I we think would never have had, had that we would never have had that gold dueling piano scene. I was I was <laughs> oh waiting. I was so really <laughs> I was waiting for there to be some kind of conspiratorial undertones about the getting the, you know what I mean? About because the whole idea of like human against tunes in this story, which is so compelling, right? That, and then of course the, the climax of the movie, not to get too far ahead of myself, is like, it's, the, it's all the tunes, everybody, you guys win in this situation. Every single one of you, everybody wins who's a tune and everybody who loves this. So I was waiting, cause this, you know, 88, 89, the end of the Reagan administration, I was waiting for there to be some like AIDS crisis undertone or like, you know, some other kind of social class movement going on, but nothing ever rose to the surface. So they've kept pretty mum on it, unless you, you found you, anything. Well, I mean, do you think that is maybe a thing like to, do movies have to have some something like that embedded in them now to sell or to get like producers to come on not board? To sell, well, definitely they, not this to may sell because they're movie. not saying anything. Yeah, this may have just been a movie. Maybe, but you know, th- when they're when they're spending years on these things, I feel like they really mind. I mean, I feel for like all the, the creative data they can get. I feel like they kind of I mean, these... felt like people were going to go and see this. It had both sets of animated characters in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. You like, don't need does, any... if you're a Disney person, like if you like Donald Duck over Daffy Duck or Mickey Mouse over like Bugs Bunny. It's like I haven't seen shit like this pulled since the Space Jam, Space Jam Two, which was like wasn't as much of a licensing uh, issue because HBO owned all those characters and right. pretty much just premiered their show for an hour and a half. I do think that there's a. Uh... <laughs> I mean, these guys, these guys Boy. are definitely uh, they want their escapism. I think that's the yeah. kind of movies they tend to make. But Jeff, now I kind of do want you to write uh, your. <laughs> Uh, cinema studies dissertation on the exploitation theme- themes of <laughs> of tunes in this movie. I think that might be the only thing that you really obviously are supposed to think about. That there are these characters, there are these, there's this entire what race species, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. yeah. of tunes that live in a reality with human beings, and their sole purpose is to entertain us. And they're drugged, they, they're, right? They're they're, on, they're like, segregated. They're drugged. Isn't there like some kind? I, I thought they're. I thought they were giving them like performance enhancing drugs to keep them energized and stuff. And like, the, no, the I don't think. No, I don't think I saw no, that just at all. I just, feel, I, I just thought, and I thought more about the 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 uh, segregation. I thought that oh, was yeah. interesting yeah. as well. So there might be somebody could definitely make a leap into anyway onto the fun, you know, onto the fun. Yeah, that stuff. I, I don't know. I feel like that could be menstrually kind of stuff. Like there is yeah. definitely an argument there for that stuff. But it's kids. It's kids friendly. You have a booby trap. You have people caught red-handed playing patty cake and you have Christopher Lloyd in a character named Doom that's so on the <laughs> nose. You just know he's going to be in the worst Mandalorian episode someday. 
Judge Doom. Oh, uh, <laughs> not getting away Judge with that. Judge Doom. Uh, all right, let me let me that's, it up that's with this. That's what's really fucked me up as a kid, though. That was the one. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh! like how did I not oh, see that dude. coming? Yeah. Remember Eddie? When I killed your brother? <laughs> and he's just screeching. <laughs> God, oh that God. scared the shit out of me when okay, I was like, a child. The, the neck has got a lot of Christopher yeah, Lloyd. Let's in the get 80s, let's get Doc Brown and pitch him up three fucking octaves. That'll freak the kids it's, out. Oh, it was so good. The eyes scared me so much as a kid. Not so much now, but I still had a lot of fun. Let me just give some credit really quickly to people who might think this is silly one it was a big special effects kind of achievement that hadn't really been done Mm. that well before and you have bob hoskins who's acting in this who claims that for years after performing this movie he still saw these fucking tunes he got to a place (laughs) where he was so serious about it that he was actually looking at them on set he claims and that they didn't leave him alone for for a long time after he finished this movie felt like he was going nuts but all that's a long time to take for the mushrooms to wear off hey come on man Uh, all that's to say is that yeah how long does it take about i think uh, i'm still coming down all all that's to say that i am so impressed i'm so impressed with this movie even though it is stylized and heightened and silly I think that there is a, re- a a healthy reality of the period created in this piece. The human actors know that they are in this really crazy, heightened, zany place, but there aren't that many noirs that are produced in modern times. It, even back to then, like Chinatown was in the seventies, and then like moving up to here, we're about to talk about another one with Tim Burton's Batman, of course. Like the, these themes, but I believe the world that Bob Zemeckis created, which oh, is yeah. which is kind of crazy to say. They tried <laughs> to take it seriously in the terms of production design and tone and and uh, using all the elements of noir so that it could fit into this place. I wonder why they chose to do that. I guess that's what I'm getting to. I wonder why they chose to make it a noir. I mean, it, it was, didn't necessarily have it to be. It was a detective the story. Ma- the, source ma- the source material was a detective story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I know that, but I'm just saying. I just think it's funny that... They put also, it in a detective story and they're like, oh, okay, so it has to be this noir style. Is that also kind of the birth of tunes? Like it was around that period that when Chuck period. Jones and Warner Brothers and Disney were really pumping out a lot of stuff in the 40s and 50s, the birth of these kinds of this dominating mm. force of Looney Tunes and Golden Disney Age characters. Of tunes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so I just I, wanted to give them a pat on the back before we started just laughing about it. Well, that's, I think that's <laughs> as well, that's, that's a good thing because it, it, like, it's not something like if a lot of the others, like these mixed format animations are done in the modern day and it, it doesn't work. There's some sort of disconnect there. Like they put this in a fantastical setting in a noir setting. So already a suspension of disbelief. You, you forget that some of these things in this frame aren't real. I feel yeah. like, I feel like it was a good, a good choice. Also yeah. detective story. Think, yeah. The only thing missing was Harrison Ford doing a, a narration. <laughs> he did but he uh, crashed his plane on the way i keep doing the <laughs> crash in the pain joke goes that jesus christ <laughs> they keep letting him fly uh, eventually it won't be funny <laughs> maybe, it was, I, uh, maybe 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 they really were worried too about getting parents and kids enjoying movies together because there's a lot the disney renaissance where there were like boners in films and all those dad you know I, I there were some when they were younger but like this was, it was obviously like all the noirs, but definitely a lot of Chinatown references, a lot of like the more obvious, you know, famous examples. Mm. And then tunes for kids and games, kids like, so it's so, 
obviously polarized. There's very little blending in the middle. I feel like it's either blatantly adult, but using well, kid terms, or blatantly also, kid that adults would laugh at too. I, I throw it back to when I when we went and saw uh, Sonic Two, and I was sitting there and I was listening to all the like all the parents that had played Sonic growing up, and all the kids mm-hmm. who were experiencing Sonic for the first time. They're loving the flashy action and the animation, and the parents are like pissing themselves laughing at the in jokes this is exactly what that was like it's a, it's a format that right. works if, if you're going to go multi-generational you've got to hit it in very specific times and this this really did then it works like crazy because like we're yeah. still watching it it was really fun this rewatch just to, just to highlight what we were the, saying before, i mean they're not pulling really... that off disney plus to save money are they <laughs> no i mean it's this is really fun this is a really really fun very specific and the fact that it was a huge hit, that it was up for Oscars and stuff is just so like, I love that this, it's still technically an original IP. I know there was a movie, but as far as like, I mean, I know there was a book, but as far yeah. as movies were concerned, it wasn't an obvious hit, you know? So just the fact that these people came together, made a good movie. I thought, it, I mean, I just had such a good time rewatching it. Yeah, me too. The the filmmaking too. I just feel, obviously the special effects probably take the cake for people, but some of those very trademark Bob Zemeckis move around space and put point your camera and stuff to tell you about things. When you go in to Eddie Valiant's, um, that's his name, right? That's Hoskins' character's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you go into his studio office apartment and he does his classic, just move around. It's at nighttime. You see him drinking. You see the stuff about his brother. You see his history growing up in the circus, coming yep. back to him, hitting the bottle hard, and then kind of blacking out. And the sun is up, like he's. Mm. You know, just there are these classic ways that he still found he still found a way yeah. to, to use his I mean, language. Back to the future style the same piece, way. which is wonderful. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's yeah. I feel like he always finds ways to like use these these it's a moving camera. There is something very specific. I, I do quite about like Bob the, Zemeckis and Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, they, they just love and I think that's why they've seemed to be just brothers in arms. But one reason why I, I don't think I realized that, you know, when you're a child, of course you just want to be entertained, but there is something very specifically blockbustery about that kind of wandering camera. And Bob Zemeckis mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. so much fun with that. The set pieces in the bar, when Doom comes to the bar, oh, yeah. and we're going in and out of the two rooms, of course, with Roger in the other room going nuts with shave and a haircut. <laughs> but just the way the camera moves through the space, there were just so many opportunities for that that, I don't know, I just, I, again, I just felt like there was a, in this children's piece, yeah. there was a maturity to the way he was trying to bring some kind of, and then on the know, other, on the other end of that, special. you've got animators who are fitting that character into that frame, which as is well. So yeah. like you know, how did and, they and do? You know, I still yeah, how they had, don't the, how they had the, pra- the, pra- the practicals on set as like you know, ten placeholders, and all the actors had to do mime. But that way, like he could really hold a bunny's neck and like have this like fake little bunny that he's holding, and then obviously it was going to be replaced by animation, probably for I don't know, Dave. You think it was frame by frame at that point? Um, um, that animation, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, Spielberg has said before too, and this came up um, before Raiders, where he told Lucas, like he really wanted to do a Bond movie. And similar to like how Tarantino wanted to do like a black and white noir style Bond movie for Casino Royale, which obviously he didn't get. The Broccoli's were like, uh, no. <laughs> but yeah. Spielberg really wanted to do one, right? And then George Lucas was famously like, well, I have this sort of like um, Buck Rogers, Buck Rogers space show. And then like the, you know, Butch Cassidy. What, what, is, what is Raiders based off of? That Lucas was like, let's just do an adventure film instead. But I feel like all those guys, especially Spielberg, really wanted uh, to do a Bond Alan movie. Quartermain? So maybe this was like, this was, this was, they were like, fuck it, let's just do it with fucking rabbits. I don't know. Like maybe they just were just dying to get into this style. And that was like the reason they had to do it. I, I think they all got together in a room, got really stoned, and this came out. 
I think Steven Spielberg smoked <laughs> way more weed than, than anybody talks about. It's I know like, he had like 10 kids, but like, come on, him and Kathleen Kennedy, they were like, guys. They're like, guys, we're gonna, well, let's do this. Let's do this. And we'll, well, it'll be a detective noir story, but half the characters are animated. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. And like, they go to the pitch that so the producers, good. the producers are like, fucking what? Don't that's worry, what, I'll pay for myself. <laughs> so we had, we had a good time. What are some of your favorite lines that stand out? L- lines or, or just motifs or moments Whatever, like yeah. that opening his opening and this is this movie came out before um robert altman's the player mm. and the player has this incredible famous opening shot where the a wandering camera just goes all over the paramount lot and kind of yeah. takes you in and out of executives offices and gives you this movie thing guys bob zemeckis got there first that when they come out of the sound stage and the oh, fantastic awesome. opening which is yeah. wonderful and they just wander out of the stage moving camera floating by characters about to audition or go in and shoot something set people walking by one of my favorite moments i laughed out loud was when he passes by the line of cows ready to audition <laughs> and they're going over their lines and they're all just going oh my god that cracked me up dude uh seeing all the fantasia characters so yeah mm-hmm. i don't know that opening i had forgotten and of course i have a new appreciation for it now just working in the in this ship but man i thought that was just so good how he established a world where humans and tunes work together inside yeah. this giant movie making machine that we call whatever that was it was probably yeah. a warner brothers lot i'm not <laughs> sure dave any standouts um when uh, eddie finally turns and does the song <laughs> yeah. okay yeah uh, laugh, to make them laugh to death with the weasels yeah. um I, the booby trap is really funny um i love um i'm not bad i'm just i'm not bad i'm just drawn that way i think that's really I mean, good just, just dude, with I mean, that on it. yeah yeah exactly. let me, let's talk about it like dude you are not a boy of my generation if you did not have some of your first arousal experiences with a fucking cartoon called Jessica Rabbit. I mean, like- And to, and to have Eddie Valiant, a real person responding in the way that we were on the inside too. So we can see like, oh, it's okay to feel this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that classic, the classic introduction of the femme fatale with her singing in a nightclub. Like, oh my God, yeah. Wonder, you know, if you oh, think yeah. they were like, was this too much? Is this too on the nose? Yeah. But they're like, no, fuck it, go <laughs> for it. The mask, go hard, go you know, home. they do yeah. it later. Um, <laughs> Jeff, you said booby trap. And I just want to put up some of my favorite funny things in this movie were sound effects. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that I laughed the hardest at was when Dude. she pushes up against Eddie and her boobs hit him in the chest. You hear this goom. Like it's like an empty like metal cabinet it's just like bursting against him. Oh my God. There were so and many the, hilarious. Yeah, I mean the, the Warner Brothers sound, sound effects library is epic. Like they have some yeah. of the oh, yeah. some of the most comical sound effects ever and they, they're not afraid so, to yeah, use them. Yeah they were so simple. It <laughs> the, was, it the, was the so Coyote, the Wiley Coyote or the Yosemite Sam knockoff like of the bullets. You know what I mean? <laughs> or it's like the mini Yosemite <laughs> uh, there's a good prostate joke in there too. Um, there's no business like show business, like no business I know, and no business more expensive either. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you're going to give me a heart attack. You need to have a heart to have an attack. Like, come on, there's great noir lines in there. Let's yeah, go. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and so- Jim, uh, I just, Christopher Lloyd, I just want to give it up to him one more time. Yeah. I just felt like he scared me a lot as a kid, but again, just the, the overwhelming sincerity that yeah. he, especially in the end. I mean, he's, you know, he's real menacing and one-linery for a lot of the mm-hmm. first few scenes he's in, but that whole final sequence when he's really losing it, I mean, he mm. is just all in, dude. It's just, did, it's just remarkable. 
and the Austin Powers like flattening truck thing that was yeah. funny because we knew Roger Rabbit like we knew what was yeah. co- we knew what was supposed yeah. to happen <laughs> yeah pretty good sled alright it's our halfway point people we gotta segue on over to 1989 to see what Roger Rabbit is, is gonna be up against which is of course the highest grossing summer movie of that year Tim Burton's Batman, Batman. which gave Jack Nicholson a whole lot of money ah, some of which he <laughs> threw off a float at people <laughs> uh john what you got from the year 1989 all right number two and number three they are also summer releases so this is a more traditional year number one batman number two indiana jones and the uh i have the last crusade mm-hmm. it's not temple of doom right it's last crusade that's what we were talking about in our texting yeah yes my fault, anyway. my fault. no no you're good and then uh lethal weapon mm-hmm. dose lethal weapon two which uh, i think we remarked how it was you know, not as high up on the list as we thought it might have been the, the first one. Well, the second one, just like Beverly Hills Cop 2, got a lot closer. Um, shout out number four, fucking Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Give it yeah. up. Another yep. another summer release, too. That was a June 23rd, so pretty close. Uh, only about 15,000 or 15 million behind Lethal Weapon 2 for position number three. And an original and concept, other- too. Yeah, absolutely. God, I love that. I mean, that Fantastic Voyage, but talking. still, yeah. Ghostbusters oh, two, Back to the Future two, um, some some dramas, you know, eventually like uh, Dead Poet Society, a little rom com that has stood the test of time called When Harry Met Sally, um, yeah. and then you have some other classics mm. like Field of Dreams, Pet Cemetery, uh, the Christ- National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Fuck yeah, James classics. Cameron's. Here we go. This is pretty interesting. <laughs> An August 9th release, end of the summer, you know this man wanted to dominate, but he just didn't. Coming in at number 20, James Cameron's The Abyss. Yeah. A lot of people didn't get The Abyss. Higher up. Yeah, a lot of people didn't get that too. At the very least, and I have heard before, there's a giant making of for The Abyss, and I've I've watched it before. No 4K though. I think the studio. They haven't, they haven't released there's no 4k physical release of the abyss yet we're still everyone's oh, still waiting I, I just don't think the who, i can't remember who made that who produced it or released it excuse me but i don't think they were as behind it with the marketing and he had nothing but arguments with the studio while they were making it so i guess i guess it's that super super surprising um hmm. the little mermaid coming in at 23 the very beginning yeah so this is the birth and i am sure i, I wish i could see the vcr vhs you know Post box office release sales because you know every oh, fucking yeah. child in America mm-hmm. had, had went a copy to the of that ball. Shit. Yeah, that, that was a very big ball, but they were keeping that shit in. So yeah, I mean, if there are other some things, other ones you want to point other, out, other, thing, yeah. other things that went on that year, Kim Basinger bought a town uh, in Georgia <laughs> and then yes, uh, lo- lost it when she filed for bankruptcy. Um, <laughs> wow. License to Kill came out and had so many legal issues; it would be the last James Bond movie for six years until Goldeneye in 1995. Sony bought wow. Columbia and TriStar, so the beginning of the corporate consolidation of the hit movie started. Sony Pictures would be formed next year in 1990. Cinema Paradiso tied at the Cannes Jury Prize and would mm. go on to, I think, win Best um, Foreign Language Film at the Oscars. Michael Moore, his first documentary feature film for $58,000, which he won in a wrongful firing settlement. He talked about the GM power plant. So you know who Michael Moore is thanks to this year. Uh, and the prestige movies, you got Do the Right Thing, people, come on. Driving Give Miss Daisy won Best Film. Oliver Stone Mississippi won his- Burning. Miss Oliver Stone won his second Best Director Oscar for Born on the Fourth of July. Uh, DDL and Brenda Fricker both won for My Left Foot, Jessica Tandy and Denzel for the other two acting Oscars. Alan Menken won his first two of his eight 
Oscars, the most of any living person. Uh, and Kenneth Branagh's Henry V came out this year when he was still in his goddamn 20s and he was nominated for Best Director in no his 20s. Story. Bill and Ted, The Burbs, Lean on Me, Field of Dreams, Pet Cemetery, Major League, Say Anything, yada, 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 Roadhouse, Shatler's uh, Shatler's directorial, Star Trek The Five. Oh, uh, we yeah, we didn't talk about that. That's right. Casualties of War. We mentioned last week. Sex Lies and Videotape. Look who's talking. Yeah, said. I wanted to call out. I wanted to call out Sex Lies and Videotape because uh, this is uh, Soderbergh's debut, and he won the Palm Door. He was like twenty fucking three or something like ridiculous. Yeah. Some people cite this year because I think Linklater also had um, Slacker. I think it may have come out Slacker this year was, or the next year. It was either this year. You know, with the independent films, sometimes in like if festival this anyway. year, uh, released next year. Yeah. So there's like this second wave of John Cassavetes and Scorsese were kind of part of the first wave in the late 60s and in the 70s. Um, some A lot of people cite this as like the beginning of the second wave of independent film that eventually exploded into all those rebels on the back lot, Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson, David Fincher, Sofia Coppola, Spike Jones, who really exploded in the 90s. So here we go, leading into the 90s, 1989, Sex, Lies, and Videotape wins the fucking Palm Door at Con. He shot this mm -hmm. motherfucker on like super low budget. So I just wanted to shout that out too, that we're starting oh, to yeah. get into a, a different era of film, the, yes. the next golden age of Hollywood. All right, let's do it. Let's go. Batman. Tim Burton, Danny Elfman's fucking score, Michael it. Keaton. I'm not quite sure how to say this. Kim Basinger, Basinger, Basinger. <laughs> Jesus. And, oh my god. And I, I don't know why. I, the joke this is wasn't like the, funny the, the first time we saw it. The, the thing I, the thing I tend to forget the most about this movie is those fucking Prince songs really stick out like a sore thumb. Oh my God. When the Joker <laughs> yeah. is in the museum and all of a sudden that like fucking weird ass synth beat drops and he's doing that dance. It's like, oh my God, we are totally, we are not in the same world anymore. We are so far gone. What a weird, yeah, what an interesting choice with the the very sincere Burton, crazy, whimsical, noir production design that he creates and then does Prince fit into that dude I totally the museum one less because I, I guess that one really is such an iconic scene and I yeah, you know you yeah. remember it so well the gas new mask, king in yeah. town but there were a couple other where he was clearly like I guess they were legally required to use a certain amount of songs because sometimes they were like underscoring certain moments and I was like, what? Just, just turn I, it I all think, the way I down. I think they got him to do the whole album. Like, there was a whole Batman album. He does all so. the yeah. songs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember there was an opening title card where Prince. I mean, they were, they were doing that. The, all and, the songs. Like, from the 80s onwards. I mean, you're Flash Gordon with Queen. Like, they, they, it was a thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I, I yeah. adore the. I adored and adore this movie. I mean, this was. I had all the underwear when I was a kid. I mean, this. We, we, let's give people a little bit of context here. Jeff, was this the movie that made us? Because I remember at some point just, I don't think so. just going deeper into um, Warner. Apparently, no one had ever done this unique marketing. Lucas is very famous for getting a lot of merch after the fact. He, he held on to that. It was one of the writers in his first Star Wars contract. And he was like, you know, twisting his mustache. Look what I'm going to do later down the road when we start making sequels and stuff. And he ended up making most of his money, you know, from merchandise going into number two and number three for Star Wars. That said, Warner's was, this was one of the very first times that they had IP like Batman. So everybody was very excited and anticipating it. And they did an enormous merch push before the movie came out. Yeah. So there was a huge 
anticipation for this film. Also, and it was I'll say know, that that benchmark it was going to be the first very sincere like superhero movie. Yeah, that, they bench, really that done benchmark this in they a long said time. is still happening. They still do this. Like Marvel, oh, yeah. Marvel yeah, these days keeps running afoul of it uh, because the okay. toys come out and they've got character names on them, and the name they've been trying to keep secret gets leaked. So, yeah. They, uh, so they, just like, to, yeah, merch is now the the way you find out what's happening in Marvel movies. <laughs> people were excited. The actual emblem, like this movie's Batman yeah. symbol, yep. was fucking everywhere. The shirts exploded again. You know, so of course Batman was popular with the TV show, but just just try to think about that when everybody's putting on their little their time capsule hat. This movie had never been made before. We, we're hmm. we're we're totally in a different world now, where we're so oversaturated with these superhero movies. But no one had ever seen a major studio try to make a movie with this much clout and this much money behind it. What um, would you? How would you compare it to the Superman? Um, I Which think had, like, three or four Supermans already by this point. Yeah, well, they, I they, mean, no, you're right. After I they mean, got this... to Superman four, they're like, "Fuck, we'll have to go to Batman." <laughs> yeah i don't know i still feel like i still feel like superman 2 is i don't know don't you feel like the different like even going back to like the old television shows of superman versus batman so of course you're right like they had already made the supermans but i feel like this was the first time that people wanted to i don't know people wanted to take it there's something more in sincere i think about the darker tone of the character i'm with you and i think people he, he were able to like, take popular. this more seriously He's definitely yeah, more popular. I don't know. But also, right, I mean, right. Keaton, they had, they had Keaton brought it, man. Like, the, the guy was so good at Batman, they're giving him another go this year. So... Keaton really was amazing. I think that that's, line, yeah. That's what I think it is, is that I feel like with Superman, the filmmaking was kind of supposed to be invisible. You know, like you had some typical, you know, not not to take any any weight away from it, but that, that famous score, sure, the direction was kind of Donner did a wonderful job, but it wasn't, it wasn't the way that the prestige around Tim Burton going into this was like, Oh, what is he going to do with this story? And then casting somebody who nobody thought should ever be a superhero. (laughs) There were just so many surprises going into the making of this, which again, they were setting up for the world to be a part of that. I feel like this is one of the first times just how, when you hear Warner brothers execs or critics talk about when Nolan picked up the mantle, like, what is it like when you give a director with a really strange point of view a superhero? Like, and what's going to happen? So I feel like everyone kind of going into this was under the the mystique that something unusual was going to happen with a superhero, not just another superhero. Anyway, let's mm-hmm. get into it. Um, I love it. I love this one too. I, it, it didn't have as much action as I was as I thought. It was a lot of world building. It was a lot of creepy, you know, prestige. And there was always the like the a lot of investigating. Of this was, a lot of investigating, this was yeah. dead set middle between action, big action set pieces and the the detective story that Batman is. And I feel that's why it sits on the sweet spot. Yeah. yeah. And just that one moment of Michael Keaton going, you want to get nuts? Ah, come on, let's get nuts. It was just like enough. Because as Batman he was, but as Bruce that, Wayne... Like, I don't know if you've did, seen you know, the new Flash the trailer, but that line's back to... Uh, Taron Killam did a really good job of it for <laughs> his uh, let go from SNL. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's having fun with it. <laughs> the cast is incredible. I mean, Michael Goh is Alfred. Lee Wallace is the mayor. Jack Palance is Grissom. Billy D. Williams is Harvey Dent. I thought it was probably a pretty bold choice at the time, and he was just such. A is, is this fires. when? Is this when? Uh, like, Jack and like Nicholson and Palance started their like friendly rivalry. 
because there was there, there were know. incidents like at, at the Oscars he bailed him up at one point and like Jack Palance is doing one-handed push-ups on stage they had a like a rivalry going I think for years the, they had oh, a thing when, when he won yeah. for City Slickers Billy um Crystal hosted <laughs> and he had done obviously City Slickers with mm. Palance and and he talks about it a lot of like there are all these kids and he Jack Palance was just like this butt of this joke is like this kind of old guy who's still got it and so he's like all of those kids were fathered by Jack Palance and so it, it did become yeah. like a little thing with the three of them but I'm not sure if that was yet or if the, maybe this was the beginning of it but that Oscars I think was the next year but yeah 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 mm. yeah it's, it was uh, very fun, it was very fun to watch growing up as a kid well, well, yeah. while, while we're say, here talking about this I say kid War- I was like what 19 by that point so Warren <laughs> Scarin wrote this script and he also would go on to write the Beetlejuice script he had either been some kind of script doctor or some kind of story contributions to Top Gun Beverly Hills Cop 2, which we talked about because it was a huge success, Fire with Fire. So we had this 10-year run where his hands are on huge scripts, and then he died of cancer in 1990 at the age of 44. So who oh, knows what other huge movies. And he obviously he was working well with Burton to do yeah. this and Beetlejuice. It's funny because Carrie but... Fisher did that as well. She was a script doctor, yeah. uncredited on so many things. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else What else we talk about this movie? I mean, this movie's so iconic. Um, it's, I like the next one, too. I feel like the next one with uh, Danny DeVito I saw more times because it was on rewatch. You know, it was on the mm. reruns and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Returns is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I we get to that at some point. I, I want to lean in just a little bit more to what you said about, you know, the less action. Like, we... I have very little doubt in my mind that maybe... a person who's 20 years younger than me who grows up with with marvel and just just how quick paced you know things are nowadays might find this movie kind of boring because Mm -hmm. it is so much there's so much dialogue and mise-en-scene of them just doing stuff that isn't high-paced yeah urgent i I think they call that substance (laughs) yeah (laughs) and honestly it's just for me for me more than anything else and i think i've said this before I think a, one of the director's biggest responsibilities other than just making somebody feel something is creating tone. And I remember being a kid and when I wanted to watch this, you know, for the hundred thousandth time, it was, it was chasing the feeling of Gotham city of his Gotham city. Mm. Yeah, it, didn't, I really, it didn't even really matter like what point in the movie it was. And I think even as a kid, I knew that it had less action per se. You know, but it, I really just wanted to be in those dark rooms and those shadows. I wanted to hear people talking the way that they talked. Again, this is noir and period, and everybody in the movie knew exactly where they were, which mm. is, you know, that weird yeah. burdened universe. So it never really is that. It, could we make an argument that like that kind of the substance, like you're saying, Dave, of of what we used to think of as mostly a director's job is now being replaced by by action. Very specifically, like fight action it's being replaced by formulaic beat. Yes, I thought about that yeah. at some rewatching all of these movies. Maybe it was because of, of Ghost. I was like, it is funny that never in I, in, in Batman we do have this, this kerfuffle at the end, and you do have it in Roger Rad, Rabbit. For some reason, they just seem more justified that I feel like every every Marvel every superhero movie eventually turns into well, looks like a whole bunch of people are going to have to fight to the death in order to resolve this thing. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And so Which is it, where it just they got so to down the track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So I, I think, I, I, we need would, to wrap this up in a sec, but carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really fast. It just makes you think, though, that to hand a script like that to these big stars, 
versus nowadays when people finally get that final draft and they're supposed to say yes or no, I'm signing on if their contract is is allowing it or whatever. Don't you, don't you think that there is something when Michael Keaton or Jack Nicholson or Kim Basinger read the script, they saw like characters like living through time and like they would almost like a, a normal movie. It just happens to be a superhero movie. Whereas I feel like a lot of like the more modern ones, probably half of the movie or at least, you know, a third to a half of the movie is eaten up with these giant action sequences. Right. So they're just hoping that there are going to be like moments where their character actually, mm. where they can actually act. I mean, to be They're honest, just... I, I feel like I feel like Jack Nicholson read this and immediately rewrote half his lines. But he was so good like... in this movie. <laughs> last last yeah. anecdote: Jack was teetering, so they offered it to Robin Williams verbally. Robin Williams said yes. They went back to Jack and said, "Robin's going to do it if you don't say yes right now." Jack said yes, and Robin Williams was so mad about being used as bait that he refused to work with Warner Brothers. I think for maybe forever, but certainly for years. Yeah, years and years and years. Wow! Never held it against well, Jack, though. They always you know what? I I think I, I prefer what we got. Like Jack Robin's was so fantastic. Good. He really was. Like yeah, it's one of his proudest roles for whatever reason. But he really was amazing. And when he says like I'm only smiling really? on the outside, you know, like it's it's really really good. It's mm. really really good. I mean, when I was a kid too. I mean, Jeff, you and I are in the same generation. Like he was the Joker. Like I didn't really. Yeah. You know, of course, when you're a child, yeah. well, I wasn't allowed to watch most of his other movies for he a long time. Seem, he made so. it seem so easy. It didn't it didn't seem like a, a character. You know, it didn't seem like a caricature or a tune or anything. Which like, he I, made it seem I, so easy. Let's just very quickly let's just give it credit just because Heath Ledger eventually did something remarkably mm -hmm. different and remarkably objectively uh, remarkable objectively but what I love about this movie is that the Joker is a real person before it happens to him yeah and he yeah. doesn't turn into this you know just pure anarchy anachristic it doesn't matter what happens to them, yeah. yeah no I just feel like it's so interesting that he was still grounded like yeah. the cartoon and is that was, incredible that was the other thing well, they did but like, this one is because DC invariably doesn't tell you the origin story of the joker like there's there's like five different origin stories and he will tell you a different one if he's if you if he asks like anyone asks him what the origin story is like joker will um as such so this was the That's first fun. time they locked it into an origin i think um i pronounced michael goff's name wrong and i don't give a fuck guys we gotta vote you ready to rock <laughs> yes it's I'll go first. It's summer blockbuster movie season, people. It's Batman. Batman's got to take the cake on this one. Who'd like to go next? I'll go. It's Batman for me, too. I had a blast watching Roger, Just, Roger Rabbit, but I feel like this was uh, truly, truly iconic and still is iconic. Well, Dave, it doesn't matter what I it's say, not, then. It's not that your vote doesn't matter, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you think, it was, Dave? it was Batman. Definitely Batman. I mean, oh, he was so, yeah. everyone in that was so good, except Kim Bezger. But All right. What? You don't think so? <laughs> um, anyway, that's, I don't want to unpack that, Dave. You'll let that land. We'll let the readers and listeners think what they want to think. All right. Oh, no. We're going to take the quickest break of all time. I don't really need a break, but we'll do it just to... Do you guys want a break? I mean, we could just stop talking for a second and put a title card in. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> and then we are going to come back with 1990's Ghost against 1991's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Sirens. <laughs> Sirens just came. Yeah, ooh, the Batman. That's the Batmobile. Yeah. Guys, that Batmobile looked fuck. I mean, the bat um signal symbol looked fucking fake. It looked yeah. like there was like a, a a movie screen in the sky that they were projecting. I kind of love. No, we didn't talk. There's no depth to it. <laughs> the animation of the shadows and stuff. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, and the reveal. 
Should right, we, let's sh- do it. This this will be our lead in back. We'll just we're already back. We're All right. Talking. Yeah, the, we're still Michael, talking about oh, Batman. <laughs> and the intro, Michael Keaton's for when he's in the background and you just see the shadow of Batman like in the smoke. Okay, fuck um, it. Everybody, stop talking about Batman. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Guys, it's a forty-five minute break and we're still talking about <laughs> Batman. So last week, John laughed when we said when Dave mentioned what the movies were going to be ahead of time, and it was Terminator Two and Ghost. And John laughed and said, "I wonder what's going to win." Well. After rewatching these movies, I can't wait to see because Ghost made worldwide five hundred million dollars. Five hundred million dollars worldwide from fucking Ghost people. So let's yep. get into it. John, talk to us. What was going on in nineteen ninety? All right, number one, Ghost. Um, <laughs> Pretty Woman, Home Alone, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and The Hunt for Red October make up two through five. <laughs> what a strange spread. <laughs> of movies right there uh let's keep going with number six total recall number seven die hard two number eight another famous uh superhero comic bookie uh noir dick fucking tracy dude warren Beatty. do you guys remember that movie yeah um the color the color design on that was ridiculous Mm. so every every single color was like they they stuck to a palette so the every yellow was the same yellow so cool yeah. they don't give that movie does not get enough credit i watched that one to death as well and also number introduced nine. apple watches yep 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 number <laughs> nine was driving miss daisy from the year before but still coming in strong number 10 back to the future um dances with fucking wolves which eventually took a yeah. swept a bunch of the oscars some people are, number some people are still watching it it hasn't finished yet okay <laughs> oh come on i re- i rewatched it during on. the pandemic i i, I like it yeah, it was cool uh, arachnophobia, fucking yeah. kindergarten cop. Give it dude, up, I've dude. Seen arachnophobia. I've seen arachnophobia once in my lifetime, and that's all I'll fucking see. Yeah, yeah, They're doing sure. a remake, apparently. Edward Scissorhands, which Hell I got to yeah. be honest, this is something I always forget. I always in my head think that that was before Batman, that that was like his first, yeah. after Wiener Dog or Frank and Wiener, his first Disney movie that did pretty well, like, in right. that insulated audience. Then yeah. he gets Batman. Then he gets Everson. I thought it went the other way I feel, around. I feel yeah. like they wouldn't so green light Edward Scissorhands. I'll tell you a f- quick funny story about Edward Scissorhands. Uh, when I was working in Australia, I worked in a theme park for a bit and they did street appearances as characters. And one of the guys bore a striking resemblance to like Edward Scissorhands when he was made up. So they had the full costume made and he's got the, he's out there like meeting and greeting in the theme park and a wasp, and I kid you not, flew up his nose ah! and stung him on the inside. And he's just ah. like, <laughs> You can't do a thing. You got fucking oh knives for fingers. Oh my god! You just, oh you just screamed and bolted out of there. It was god. like, yeah. You wouldn't uh, read about it anyway. Have, uh, carry on. We have uh, misery, misery number twenty-four. Uh, we misery. have fucking Goodfellas at number thirty-six. Somehow, at the end of the summer, like a, the late se- summer release, September nineteenth, cusp of summer into fall. Interesting. I still think that's one of the best movies of all time. I don't think Dave agrees with us on that. Um, <laughs> I forgot what we we're talking about. God, fuck you. Uh, yeah, Predator Two, Memphis Bell, bunch Predator of House Two Party. is one of the best movies of all time. Jacob's Ladder, fucking freaky. Yeah, so that's that's what I got. Uh, Tremors at number seventy. Tremors. Oh yeah. What are you talking about? Started a fucking yeah. franchise, dude. Oh boy, Jeff. Jeff, other, what do you think? Other Any notes. Other? Well, Home Alone um, would be the highest rated act, live action comedy until The Hangover. Twenty years later, it made uh, over four hundred million dollars worldwide. It was number one for twelve weeks in a row and ran through fucking Easter. It was in the top 10 at the end of April. It's blatantly a Christmas movie. Total Recall yeah, uses... Of, this This came out, just to clarify, it comes out November 16th, 90, runs through yeah. April 91. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Daniel Stern was uh, was filming City Slickers and every single like day and week people were like, dude, what the fuck is happening to your movie? Uh, Total Recall uses motion capture. Um, Robocop 2 uses digital puppetry. Uh, Die Hard 2 is the first to use matte painting. The Rescuers from Down Under is the first fully digital film, apparently. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman signed their Scientology Pact. AKA they got married. Buckwald vs. Paramount was decided, which is a leading case in how you give financial rewards to writers of film treatments. Oddly relevant there. Yes. And then of course the Oscars Dances with Wolves somehow beat Goodfellas, which won, I believe just one Oscar for Joe Pesci. They also had Jeremy Irons, Kathy Bates, and Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg swept. She won the BAFTA, she won the Golden Globe for Ghost. Stephen Sondheim won his, he's got a EGOT. He won his Oscar for his Dick Tracy. Uh, Postcards from the Edge is a fantastic Meryl Streep movie that nobody ever talks about. Wild at Heart. And then Gerard Depardieu was nominated for an Oscar for his performance as Cyrano before he turned into a joke. And Night of the Living Dead, Rocky <laughs> Five, The Forgotten one the grifters the rookie look who's talking to kindergarten Jeez, cop. early 90s yeah. we were already in rocky five <laughs> yeah man he yeah. fucking churned them out yeah and then rocky yeah, Balboa really 15 years after that all right ghost people ghost what was, what was the last time obviously i watched it you watched it, john what was the last time you saw this dave um it would have been when it came out of the movies <laughs> you didn't rewatch it this is like always on it was just you know the fucking unchained melody played i mean three times. i, I watched on. a couple of times after that. i think we had it on vhs at home i think i had only seen this once as a younger person probably teenage years i don't think i had seen it since then Jeff? um Jeff, what, the hell, what the hell button did you push because <laughs> your light is still on and my nothing's on my panel i re i don't know man stop changing oh. pages I didn't. I don't. I don't know how that happened. Um, I rewatched it. I don't know, man. I don't know. At some point, a couple, maybe like ten years ago, I'll say. Who knows? But I rewatched it this week, and it was great. I like it. I think it's fun. Uh, okay, so I think I'm just gonna open up by saying, Their not to nice. give my vote away, but I this movie must have been an anomaly that it was so successful. I just can't think of another movie that was released in the summer that is like a romantic thriller like this. I think, I think we did mention fatal attraction, uh, not too long ago oh, Fatal attraction, so as good. being one of the lists, which, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's a really cool movie, but this is like, got a lot of very sincere romanticism to it. Mm. I mean, to me more is fucking teary eyed or crying most of this movie. Yeah. And I mean, she, I know, when, the, the, when the whole, when this came out, she was at a height, like Swayze was at his height. Um, Whoopi Goldberg was skyrocketing through the stratosphere. Oh, yeah. Um, she had like one woman shows and movie appearances everywhere. Like she was a mega star at that Comedian, point. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think the stars probably had a lot to do with it, but if I'm being totally honest, like this is still, I laughed about it last week. I am still shocked that this movie did as well as it did compared to some of the other movies that we just listed. Well, it's kind of funny. The guy's name is Sam Wheat. He, 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 he touches her through Whoopi. I mean, come on. <laughs> Oh, to May. Oh, this so movie's it's, icon- it's, this like, movie's it's iconic. like Wonder Woman 1984. Mm. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. This, uh, is the, this is a movie where the wealthy banker goes to heaven and the working man goes to hell. Like, come on, you know? One thing I wanted to kind of laugh about, because Elizabeth and I, we were watching it last night, and I just couldn't stop. Sam Wheat's kind of an asshole. He's oh, kind yeah. of like a dick. He walks up. Finance and like, bro. First of all, like the whole arc of this this movie, the whole big turn is that he doesn't tell her that he loves her, like ever. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, the famous pottery wheel scene. 
How long do you think she had been working on that before he sits down and just destroys it? <laughs> it just because he wants to have some sex. He wakes up from a nap <clears throat> yep. and he's like, what are you doing? Whoops. No, she, she'd oh, already sorry, uh, wrecked it for you. She'd already finished the pot they were going to keep. This was the sex pot. Yeah, I mean, so, so that was a. I had to do that. I want to say, I want, I want, I want to give us a little credit for uh, contemporary filmmaking and television. We don't do love scenes the way they do. They used to do love scenes, and I think it's for the best or yeah. for the better. This uh, at was some point, so clean up obviously just. Yeah, sure. This was just so obviously planted in the movie to get people to come see it. It, it had nothing to do with the story. It was just like phallic shots. I mean, of you know their wrong, hands on this but... wet thing. It, <laughs> I mean, was, it was so silly were... and so long. They danced long. for long. the entire song. I was just like, I, I don't know. I just felt like this was just like, this is exactly mm. how Great. they used to just, you could hear the executive in the office being like, but where's the love scene? Yeah. Where's it going to go? How, can, how early can it fit into the movie? And what, what song can we put behind it? Yeah. And and 80s and 90s, how do we get, to, do we get, get Patrick Swayze to dance? You have to, yeah. How do we Patrick make sure Swayze that to man dance is dancing? And Demi Moore mostly naked. That, that was all they, the producers wanted. Do you think Patrick Swayze was better sexually uh, when he was alive or when he was dead? What do you mean? Like people we got loving him? <laughs> no, no, not in real life, in the movie. Because the second That's one, illegal. Though. Uh, well, I mean, anyone who's not just imagining Whoopi and Demi oh, yeah. touching each other is, uh, is I mean, it's so great. Really the weird. Goes, the Again, across the another, screen. another, it's another part of the anomaly. She closed her eyes. I can't, you know, Demi Moore closed her eyes. Yep. Shut the fuck up, dude. Can you imagine being in that movie theater and everybody like, how, if you're not surrounded by people laughing and like making like, what the fuck noises? Like, yeah. Do people actually take that seriously? Whoopi Goldberg grew a full foot mm. in that transformation too. <laughs> That was so silly. Come on, suspend, uh, so, your, suspend so keep, your disbelief, man. We're kids in a sandbox. All right, all right. Continuing with whenever Swayze had to move, like jump or do any, like go through places, like his like abstract, his his yeah. positions, his dancey. His shirt just I drops just straight off. Stop laughing. Yeah, <laughs> it was like that. That first, so the first kick with the piano or whatever it was, they were loading loading in. Like, um, that that was it for me. It was like. He like jumped up, swung he swung himself outside a fucking fifth story window. I'm like, it's it's yeah. almost like Final Destination just, at this point. It's like it what's going to get him? You the, it just shows you the the star power thing. Like movie stars like matter to sell property, but this is like kind of exactly what executives think of when they're like, you can we can only cast Patrick Swayze in this movie if we find ways for him to dance and to move. Mm-hmm. And to do yep. things that like nobody wants to see him pretending that he's not Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Oh no, I just thought that was silly. How about that New York City street that they uh Prince Street that they stroll down where he gets fucking killed? Does Prince Street still look like that, you guys? Is it uh because that that was why I mean, they were the they walking on that street alone? <laughs> <laughs> was that really Prince Street, by the way? I thought because she was supposed Prince to live Street's... on Prince Street. That was where they're the, no elevated subways by Prince Street, but anyway. Definitely no between Mercer and um, they said it at one point. They said where the apartment was. Prince Street between Mercer and somewhere else. I mean, that is a very nice neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Times have changed. <laughs> um, I don't know. The apartment was huge. 
department, I mean, the department looked yeah. like they were moving into the top floor of a museum. They, she had a statue. It was one of the first things they brought into it. <laughs> that was, that was, it was she, the statue she, she kicked. Tony Goldman made a move on her a day after her uh, fiance died. I mean, come on. Her, her yeah. basically, yeah. basically fiance. So, oh, sort of the fiance. President, the president of these scandalous United States. Um, I love that... Uh, <laughs> I love that um, the engineer from the matrix and that what they call him the train man is vincent Chivelli. so obviously like just they it's the same actor right the guy who's on the train here in ghost is the same guy who plays the train man in the matrix or is am i just totally I did not notice those that. two dudes the matrix i don't think so i He's mean also the guy man. who vincent Chivelli is in like tomorrow never dies in fast times at richmond high and he's also in um he at the beginning of um the beginning of uh uh Amadeus. Isn't he the one who like oh, knocks man. on the door at the yeah, beginning? Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's not cool. the same While guy. John holds that position, we'll uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, is he fro he's Carrie frozen, is frozen like crazy, yeah. right? <laughs> but um, what a go to go to go to YouTube and skip through this part. <laughs> oh my god, this is like <laughs> John oh, you're I just lost you. Yeah, you're right right now oh, you so were celebrating great. for so long there. Anyway, Steve, <laughs> Stephen Root, Stephen Root is in here as the one who, uh, rightfully so, doesn't believe Demi Moore. Even though I bet you the audience was like, "Just believe her. She, she's right." <laughs> yeah, why are you holding up this process? <laughs> yeah, Emmy Award, Emmy Award nominee Stephen Root in there. This won a couple Oscars too. I mean, look, this movie's iconic movie. Tony Goldwyn. It is. You know, it was a, nice it was a fantastic date movie. Yeah, like I mean, when yeah, I when I riled up, dude, in like like. The early '90s, when I went on dates and didn't get laid, it wasn't because of this movie. It w what was it because? <laughs> me. It was all me. Yeah, a lot of yeah, no movie necessary. He's not the train man. How, how the fuck did I think that? For my entire fucking life, I think I thought that they were the same human being. Um, the show also educational. Well, oh, any, Jesus Christ. anything, anything else you guys have to say about uh, about ghosts? I thought that ba I the, ba point the bank out, sequence is wanna, thrilling, guys. The bank sequence is I thrilling. I want to point out that one thing, this is, I guess it was a style choice, but the effects in this movie are done by the same company that did Roger Rabbit and what we're about to talk about, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And I feel like they were made 30 years before those movies. Well, see, oh, yeah. that's, that's the thing when you're shopping around effects. It's like it might have been made by the same studio, but how much money did you pay them? Because it could be and like guess, you, you have two weeks right, to do like, every effect in this movie versus you have three months. Man, because like some of the, I, I, I guess, you know, and it also could have been a choice. Zuck, Edward, who, who directed this? Jerry Zucker. I guess Zucker. they could have also said, yeah, Jerry Zucker, that they wanted it to be totally animated and not to try to make it look too realistic. They wanted it to feel a certain way, but... Um, well, it know, yeah, I don't know. I they think it's it. a pretty That's surprising. Fine. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg was amazing. Have a nice life. Have a nice death. Goodbye. Her, she has so many good one-liners that, you know, just her eye acting. This is a good time to mention that I used to sing uh, Christmas carols at Whoopi Goldberg's Christmas party. I did that three times. Um, she has a bidet in every toilet. Um, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you told everybody about yeah. that. Good it's time to mention it. She is definitely the redeeming part about this movie yeah i'll say that <laughs> I, All right. I, I don't think i would have enjoyed watching this nearly as much if she i mean if she but also it was kind of like just do the character you had from jumping jack flash but you're a psychic just being whoopee 
Yeah. You know, it's right? Just she's she's just like the so star relatable. Thing, like, Her not wanting to get rid of the child. And again, that bang sequence is fucking great. It's so tense. It's so amazing when she's in the bang trying to clear out the account. And Patrick, I, I think that's a very great scene. I really like, I really like that Demi Moore f- finished decorating the apartment in time for the wake. I thought that was really like it was everything was done it was it was done (laughs) it was ready to go all right moving on and she was never worried about financially paying for that apartment without the other you know anyway let's let's move on obviously sponging off her he might i mean who the fuck who knows what their finance that apartment was so nice i can't imagine how much it would cost right now she pays all these bills and he still fucks up her party <laughs> All right. Well, we can't vote yet, so we have to move on to the other film. Are you sure? Nineteen ninety-one. John, what were some movies that did well in nineteen ninety-one? All right. Number one, Terminator Two: Judgment Day, which we're talking about. Number two, also a summer blockbuster. I like. I liked this movie a lot. Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Don't question the fact that he doesn't have an English accent. Just go with it. Actually, you there's gotta, a thing about that. Roll. Um, someone, some uh, person studying like England found out that in that region they would have an, an accent like an American accent. There's a there's an That's, actual article out there that you can look it up. You know what that is? That's lucky. That's what that is. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's lucky, and I still don't know if I believe that. So men in tights has to I take back all the jokes. I believe that you saw the, the article. That's like when a pharmaceutical three. company hires doctors, and then they're like, "These drugs are good." <laughs> Number three was released in February, Valentine's Day. <laughs> Hilarious. Ended up sweeping the big five that year. Silence of the motherfucking lambs, dude. Maybe one of the Nothing greatest. Nothing says I love you quite like let's eat some internal organs together behind. Ah, uh, what a fucking what, everything about the way that movie was made and released and all. Ah, uh, I love it so much. Number four, City Slickers, another summer movie. So number one, two, and three for the summer: Terminator, Robin Hood, and City Slickers. But then you have some other big hits. Um, Jeff talked about it, but Home Alone still in the top ten. Number Bam. six, swinging all the way through in a ninety-one and number six, The Adams Family. Number five. That's um, a good movie. Hook, still that- top 10. People people apparently talk a lot of shit about that movie, and critics really did what? not care for what he did. The kids yeah. loved it. I loved it. Yeah. That's number nine. And I was, I was uh, 10 years 10. older than you or something, and I loved it too. Good. <laughs> number 10, Naked Gun, two and a half. Oh, I think God. that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, number 11, this kind of surprised me. I really thought this was going to be top 10, Beauty and the Beast. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I thought that they were going to maybe this, have taken it up a notch Domestic, because it made 346 worldwide, which is pretty good for that time, 1991. Yeah, it's domestic. It only made 82 uh, there. Uh, some other ones to mention. Uh, Cape Fear, Tina Major, Newton Turtles number two, uh, two uh, Secret of the Ooze, Backdraft, Hot Shots, uh, My Girl. Man, remember that? Macaulay Culkin doing yeah. something My serious. My Girl. Yeah, oh, fucking wasp, uh, man. Stings, man. That's, another wasp good, that's another good B wasp, wasp reference there for you. Yeah, right? It's Yeah, it's also a movie that has like nothing, nothing, nothing and a tragic ending. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, not much of a coming of age, just death at the mm. end of it. Uh, we mentioned Oliver Stone uh, in the last one, JFK. Uh, is released this year, doing pretty well. Point motherfucking break, dude. That's right. Give it up Point for break. Kevin. Oh my god. Point break. I, I will vote a movie that, that has Patrick never Chris been Frazee remade. Performance. <laughs> Roadhouse. Um, a movie that's never been remade. Yeah, it yeah, never sure. has. Shut only the fuck with, up. Only with cars. Yeah. Only with cars. <laughs> um, the Fisher King, Prince of Tides, Dead Again, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, Jeff, what else you got, dude? Any any standouts? Um, Barton Fink won the Palm Door. You have um, 
Um, Sons Lambs won the big five, which means it won Best Picture, Director, both actor and actress, and it won one of the two screenplay Oscars. Uh, Bugsy, of course, won a ton of Oscars. Juliette Lewis breaks big with Cape Fear. Of course, she was in Christmas Vacation and a couple other teen movies, but after her Oscar nomination at 17 or 18 for Cape Fear, she got a string of movies when she finally turned 18. Boys in the Hood. Van Damme yes. had two films this year. He had Lionheart and Double Impact. You had movies like yeah. White Fang, The Door Flopped, uh, The Doors Flopped. Um, you have Dave's asinine favorite weird ass movie pick of Drop Dead Fred, which you can find in our feed. <laughs> <laughs> you have cable rewatch Hall of Fame movies, Toy Soldiers, and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Those movies played a lot in the 90s if you're online. Frank Oz's What About Bob with Bill Murray, who apparently is now dating Khalees, which is fucking weird. You said backdraft. Uh, and then one of my favorite movie posters for a movie that I don't know a single person who's ever seen, The Rocketeer. Don't tell me you've seen it, Dave. I don't care. Uh, Dude, and then this has been... You never saw The Rocketeer? And this is the year that Slacker came out. Uh, my own private Idaho and Dogfight gives you some River Phoenix. Keanu, of course, was in Idaho. So that's how he became friends with River Phoenix, if they weren't already. And uh, that's enough. I'm ready to move on. Yeah, can you tell what oh, Patton? A, mo- a, mo- a movie called <laughs> Horror came out. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> what a year. What a year. What a year. I, th- I feel like this was a pretty iconic uh, movie year for sure. There's a lot of really standouts here. Um, I just want to start this conversation by saying I can't, I can't fucking believe how good this movie looks. Dave, were you thinking about it too? Like mm. the, the, those just literally the, the quality of every single image it's not grainy film. So I'm not talking about like film versus digital necessarily, but I guess they were using a lot of, there was a lot of deep focus, no, these think, wider angle I mean, lenses. I think it the just, original print had a fair bit of grain. It still looks incredible. The original what? print had a fair bit of grain. I think they cleaned it up for the digital re-releases. Okay. Cause I mean, this was just, but even so, like, I just couldn't get over how beautiful it was. It was, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's fucking gorgeous. Um, this watched for me, Pierre Elizabeth, in a very kind of frightening way. Uh, 2029, right, mm-hmm. is the Judgment Day. And all this talk of machines and AI and stuff, this was probably the most <laughs> fun I've had watching this movie. And I've watched it a lot throughout my life, for sure. Yeah, This was probably the most fun rewatch I've had. It put it in a totally different context. That would bug the shit out of me if James Cameron, if James Cameron fucking called it. And we're all going to be fucking dead by the time uh, right? this, this decade yes, comes to our, an end. Our but, robots um, are going to be really good about solar and wind energy. And they love painting and writing music lyrics as well as destroying humans. So it's going to be a little different. The, are you talking about the Pride Month robot? The what fucking pro- robots are you talking about, dude? And <laughs> all of the futuristic things, it's always at night. It's always dark. You know, it's. I feel like um, our robots are going to love the daylight like us. I don't know. The daily episode last week where that guy, the godfather of AI, was basically describing Terminator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how he's like trying to turn back and stop and stop all of his biggest work. I don't know. This uh, This really, this one got me. And yeah. I just, I just, um, just structurally... And you guys know, I'm, you know, I've picked on James Cameron for for some of his uh, some of his writing in the past, but structurally, this movie is fucking perfect. Oh yeah, they I, let I, Linda I mean, Hamilton be a psycho for half the movie, including like twenty minutes of screen time. I mean, that is bold. Where and we know she's not psychotic because we saw the first movie, but like they really they really strung it out and mm. in a very tense way. It was good. Yeah, I mean, guys, jump in. What do you think? She's well, not I, my mother, I, Todd. I, I also, I also love that. Like, 
she, you could see on her face that she's starting to believe she might be psychotic as well yeah. by the time they, we get yeah. to her. That's well done. Yeah. I like, mean, really, the, yeah, sorry. The Arnold's entrance is worth the price of a bitch. I can only imagine, we're watching it this time, the first thing, because I, I, and I'm sure I thought this in the past too, but I was especially taken by, because the first one, he's like hanging dong and he's walking around in that first, like, you know, in the distance and he's a monster, you know, huge mystery mm. universe, whatever. And this one, he basically does it again and goes to the roadhouse. And um, it's just like, it's that whole sequence is obvious. It's so iconic, you know, but it's just so worth the price of admission. I was thinking about like, if I was in the theater watching this in, in 1991, I would have been 10 minutes in. I would have been like, this is going to be the best movie I've ever seen in my life. For sure. <laughs> this is something I want to talk about very specifically because in, in lining up with the aesthetic and just look, James Cameron has a reputation for his style of working with other human beings, but you know, he has a vision and he gets it on screen and um, what they were able to do with special effects in this movie, it's easy to point to the new model of the Terminator, the guy, the cop and all of the, you know, of course the amazing things that they do with when he's liquid metal. But the reason this movie looks so good for me is that that is used in such a controlled way and all of the other stunt work, and all of the other pyrotechnics are done live action in camera or with miniatures. Can you imagine Drives that chase sequence through bridge. the culverts yeah. in LA? Yeah. yeah. What if that had, if they had made that this day and age, they would not have even considered doing that for real. No. And that is why this movie looks better than, you know, I, as much as I enjoy it, I did watch Fast X. I think I mentioned that to you guys and I still had a fun time. I think it's better than the last one, but there, there are chase scenes and a lot of part of Fast X where you just, everybody in the theater knows that they're not actually destroying rum. They know it. And hmm. so there's no movie magic there. But watching them in this chase sequence, watching that fucking incredible sequence at the end where the cops come to the building and the cars really explode, that yeah. fireball really fucking went off in that fucking building. I just, the, you're on, can you, I, I'm so jealous of people who got to see this in the theater when it came out. Because that this is some of the most epic real action filmmaking still to date. I just can't believe he I got mean, it on I, camera. I have seen some, just quickly, I've seen some behind the scenes on Fast X and that ball was smashing some shit. For real. Well, I like, hope it was smashing yeah, some like, shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, not all there of it, obviously. There's you know some, you know, some stuff you just can't roll around in. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. the um, everything in this is specially like, fucking curated and I, th- I think the thing i love about cameron as much as i like rag on him a lot uh because i'm insanely jealous so i'm not him uh is uh every time <laughs> he he has an outing he brings something new to the party avatar we'd never seen 3d used like that he invented his own cameras to he worked with technicians to, to do that avatar too they redesigned fucking water and face modeling for an entire new generation of cg um terminator they introduced the uh like the liquid modeling and stuff like that that was that was a very very early fluid simulation um using that and and again even then though when they do the scene where it comes up off the floor and it's uh the security guard and the second one is there they're twins like yeah it's they didn't they didn't even like digitally duplicate this guy because obviously they couldn't do it yet so they mix that and practical it's he's just got a head for what's going to look good, what's going to work. And once does, he, once dude, he gets yes. to the point where this is how I want it to work, it stops. It's not like, but you could do this other. Co- no, he's a very disciplined <laughs> filmmaker. And I like that. 
Totally, man. That world, the thing, same thing I was talking about with Tim Burton too. Like so much of these directors jobs are, you know, he wrote this as well, you know, so like there's a lot of things that we can give him credit for, but mm. that world building and the tone, his choices of when he goes in and out of slow motion to, to, you know, heighten certain story moments where, you know, the kid and Linda Hamilton, each time mm. they reveal Arnold is the Terminator, just the slowdown. Yeah. Um, there are just so many things that he's just so remarkably successful at. And I don't think we can give this enough credit either. This is the sequel, folks. Yeah. <laughs> this is Dude, one of the only as, movies as in history where that, everybody knows the sequel is the the one, not the first one. The first one's good, but wow, he really raised the bar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As soon as you said that about slow motion, I got the image of uh, Linda Hamilton's skid falling in the hospital. Yes, that, of course. That is a, that the, one of the most magical fucking the whole hospital like, frame rate changes ever. So beautiful. But yeah, this is so this is one of those ones pretty. that goes into the like an exclusive club of the sequel is definitely better. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first Terminator is an epic film. This just kicks it up like ten notches. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jeff, what do you think about Terminator 2? Um, I, I mean, blown away. I was Another thing I was thinking about too is it's just so LA-centric. We've seen that reservoir so many times. We've seen so many LA like kind of suburbs, but close to the city, so many city sequences. And how does, so how does this elevate above all of the other ones? You know, it's just two people on motorcycles in a fucking reservoir. I was like, we've all played video games that do that. We've all done movies. So why is this one the one? Why is this the standard? Why is this the bar? He just, there's something about the camera. There's something about Robert, he, Robert Patrick's <laughs> performance, even with the liquid metal. I don't know if he was Nobody's ever or, taken a truck down there. <laughs> no, was, well, yeah, yeah, Robert Patrick. I mean, what an iconic role, you know. Even Hopefully, he has reprised money, it but... in Wayne's World too, as well, briefly. Yeah. I mean, if you have an iconic role, you gotta. This is you're like this. hundred years. This is what I'm gonna be known for. Like, yeah. at least I'll, I'll be remembered. So the um, next thing he did was a lot of time in a lot of time in the desert. You know, like again, pacing really well from the, after the set piece in the asylum with the Robert Patrick and who do I trust? The tra- it's just like it's so well paced. You're so right, mm-hmm. It's just it's just so well paced. Um, and then all the lines. I mean, so many of Arnold's most iconic lines are in this one, not the first one. You know, you know, the... and the knife throw through the fake, through oh, the yeah. fucking throat and the milk yeah. is one of the best kills of all time of any movie. Um, <laughs> both of your foster parents are dead. And then it just cuts back and you see like the mom and you just turn and you see it through the milk, through the throat. That is just one of the best deaths. That is one even of the best that, deaths. God, even that shot, it yeah. looked so real. Like the, her arm turning into the metal, it just looked fantastic. Yeah. Um, it I just want to call out a little anecdote. <laughs> Jane, yeah, <laughs> I want to call a little anecdote that uh, Tarantino has told this story before when they were lining up um, for the premiere of this at the Westwood Village Cinema. Um, James Cameron was there, kind of running around the theater. He said he like saw James Cameron and nobody else had recognized him, but he knew who he was. And he was like running up and down the line, like making sure everybody had their tickets and was excited to see the movie and was going in and out of the theater to make sure the projection, you know, everything <laughs> was, was ready you to go. Know, like, you know, he made that projectionist life hell that day. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. That, that guy is just, still God. telling stories in bars. <laughs> yeah. It's just so iconic. I mean, yeah, I don't well, even know how we're to gonna, begin. So we're gonna, let's we're, do it. We're going to talk about this movie again. So uh, let's Which go ahead and get to guys, the- What <laughs> do you think my vote is? Which one do you think I'm going to vote for? I'll say one. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'll drink to that. I'll say. The only semi negative thing I'll say about this is I don't know if I needed all those face licks. The face licks really threw me off. Those those stayed with me this time. Or are you just licking I, the face? <laughs> yeah, but I want. I mean, for me, that said, like, 
this guy had raped her a lot. Yeah. Fucking and like it, I, I loved her, her vengeance, like getting back at all these people. I just, just sorry, just to, the last thing I'll say: the way that they handle the cop, the, the how do we fight people who are in authority who they don't know it's their fault that we're trying to achieve this mission, like yeah. cops, like and, attendants. Yeah, great. The way they justify all that stuff, I just thought that was so mature. You know, you can't just kill people. Like it seems yeah. cheesy, but God, he made it feel so real, and it made it mm. it made it more palatable. Totally. So he's not just a cop killing maniac. And anyway. also, this was kind of like Arnold's for first foray into comedy. Would you say? Or he'd already done Twins by this point. I can't remember. No, because Kindergarten Cop was Kindergarten uh, Cop in '90. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, he yeah. brought the comedy to the character, and it just worked Absolutely. from that point on. I think that was all Absolutely. it needed. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right. And he All speaks right. so little. He speaks so little yes. in this movie, and he still Perfect. knew he was in good hands. He was fucking perfect, dude. Sarah, was, Sarah oh, Connor God, was going to kill him and then set, calls him a dad. Like ten, it's, oh, it's so good. All right, this one's... And okay. I still, sorry, what, last <laughs> thing. I, still, I said this in the, our franchise face-off. I'm still going to say it. The casting of Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. So often we see people, men and women, who are just not believable badasses yeah. in, in, in cinema and movies, mm. especially contemporary she is believable. Yeah. She's a yeah. tiny person too. And you believe every fucking thing she does in this movie. Physically. Even, even fucking now, like in the, in the latest one. Yeah. And the last still, ones, absolutely. Yeah, still got it. All right. All right. So looks I'm like- not voting. Cause you know what my vote is. So you guys can, you guys, you fucking ghost lovers. You guys can, uh, Ghost can lovers. get in there and duke it out. <laughs> ghost, ghost, ghost lovers. Ghost doesn't stand ghost. a chance. <laughs> no, it's T2. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. People T2 and Batman, if you had any doubt, those are the two that go on. Rest in power, fucking <laughs> ghost, ghost and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's always going to be that way. Dave, do you have the do you have the next week's numbers up I'm, yet? I'm, or, I'm, uh, I'm pulling it up now. I'm pulling it up now. Hey, Dave's pulling it up, but thank you so much, people. This is part Ooh, three. Stuff we mentioned. I'm still trying to figure out how to get Raiders back in here and Ghostbusters because I feel a little bad about them. But this is, you know, you gotta you gotta kill your friends sometimes. It's just how it is. I've got them right here. If you want me to read them off, Dave, do you have them? No, I have them. Hey, this is gonna hurt. Right, go for uh, it. Batman go. Returns versus okay. Jurassic Park. Oh man. And The Lion King versus Batman Forever. Oh man. <laughs> We're watching Batman Forever this week. Why? Oh my god. Um, interesting. <clears throat> Listeners, I'm sure you already know which ones we're going to vote for, but I think you should come back anyway and listen to I us. I think you might be surprised. <laughs> yeah, that first How's one that? is going to be a, a... Who knows? Who knows? Fucking oh, three, okay, ba- okay. three Batmans in two weeks. Wow. Well, we did this to ourselves. Yeah. The whole point was to not watch superhero movies. That's why we started doing this face-off now. It's <laughs> because we got so sick of seeing all these faces. They're everywhere. All right. Well... The fuck up, Jeff. That's how it means it has come time for our final segment of the episode what you've been watching where we tell you what we've been watching please like subscribe if you've got it this far in the episode i hope you keep listening to us and tell your friends so that they can engage with us let's go ahead what you've been watching dave we'd like to start with you what have you been up to this week uh, i did a rewatch of wandavision um i'll tell you now that is so much fun to watch when you know the twists because it's it's actually really well written and it you have more fun watching it because they're telegraphing it from the get-go what's actually happening and everything, all the twists that happen. Um, yeah, cool. So yeah, I recommend a rewatch for that if you want to enjoy it twice. I started watching Midsummer because I've never seen it. Um, and I'm I'm a little way in, but uh, yeah, what is his deal with just getting people to fucking break on camera? It just, yeah, every film, it. it's like, just destroy yourself for me. Yep. Here we go. Yeah. 
But yeah, and yeah, uh, my, wife and I, well, my <laughs> wife and I, because she wasn't allowed to watch it when she was a kid, are re-watching X-Files from oh. the beginning. Aww. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. And she's loving it. those first several seasons. Yeah, yeah it's so good. Um, yeah. Nice. I am watching, um, I watched all four of these fucking movies, so that ate up most of my nights. Yeah. But uh-huh. I've also been watching... Um, I'm catching up on Barry. I think I'm almost done with the fourth season, and I am about four or five episodes of the Smartless yeah. on tour documentary series in. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been been watching. Cool. Jeff, I was a couple of days behind on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which was great. It really was amazing. It was really well done. Did we say that last week? Because I saw you two did. You two. Did. Yeah, yeah, I we saw it. it yeah. yeah, it was it was really great. And then um, I yeah. I rewatched Renfield because a friend really wanted to rewatch it, and I was like, it's great. And it was, it was fun. It was ninety minutes. It's a great rewatch as we yeah. thought it was going to be. A lot of things I want to see, but I think we're watching. I think we're watching that tonight. It's really fun the second time around. It's really fun. It was hard for me not to be like, oh, well, this. Oh, well, this. Oh, well, this. It's just be like, oh, also, um, Peacock is running a um, 20 bucks for a year special right now, too. I saw that. You know, they've been doing that, but I think that's with ads. I feel like it's not the premium one, but it's premium. All those bastards. Okay. Uh, I think I accidentally paid for Paramount Plus because I forgot to cancel my fucking trial. Anyway, just still haven't canceled it. (laughs) Fuck me. I'm such an idiot. And then um, I I started a silo. I'm really liking the show Silo. It's good world building. I'm in the world. I know, Dave, you said you were watching it. And I I was like claustrophobic watching it. And I was like, I'm going to like this. It was like painfully claustrophobic, but I liked it. All right. Next week, you know what we're watching. Two Batmans, Lion King, and... <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> Fucking Jurassic... Oh, my God. Jurassic Park. <sighs> so, I, such an... Uh, damn it. What a fucking time. We can't have three Batman movies move on, right? Like, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, I, people. I, we'll see. I, I can tell you, I don't think that's going to happen, but... <laughs> Woo! Let's go! <laughs> Pay attention. See you guys.